Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you are here. Happy Wednesday, August 18th, or even Thursday, August 19th, if that's when you're getting to this episode. Got a fun interview lined up for you guys today uh, with the one and only Timmy Hands from the website Five Point Move, which specifically covers Greco-Roman wrestling, Greco-Roman athletes, Greco-Roman stories, and so much more. All things Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, for those who don't know, Timmy Hands is the founder and senior editor of Five Point Move. And prior to that, um, he worked as a contributor for several other publications, including MMAFighting.com and Full Contact Fighter, while embarking on a full-time editorial career. He is, for our purposes here, one of the greatest resources in minds for Greco-Roman wrestling knowledge, information, perspective, coverage in the United States when it comes to wrestling media. And so I invited him on to today's show to discuss a few different things. Um, What prompted this show really uh, was a spectacular Twitter thread from Tim about Greco-Roman wrestling in the United States. We all know that Greco-Roman squad did not perform quite well at the 2020 Olympic Games, posting a 1-5 overall record, and they failed to win a medal. It was the third straight Olympic Games where USA Wrestling failed to win a medal in Greco-Roman. All over Twitter and elsewhere, folks who don't really watch or follow the Greco-Roman program regularly began sharing various ideas about what USA Wrestling should do to perhaps fix the program. Well, Tim Hans decided he had seen enough and took matters into his own hands in the form of a 15-tweet diatribe that pointed out all the issues with why Greco had struggled so much. It was brilliant, succinct, and really got at the heart of the program's overall struggles, which are far more than just a 1-5 in showing at the 2020 Olympic Games. Um, Guys, the last time USA Wrestling won an Olympic medal in Greco was in 2008 when Adam Wheeler won bronze at 96 kilograms. Up until then, the United States was fairly inconsistently competitive on the Greco-Roman world stage. Um, Consider some of these numbers from 96, 2000, 2004, and 2008. So across those four Olympic games, the U.S. had eight total Olympic medalists in Greco-Roman. Even more, between 2001 and 2007, the U.S. actually won 11 total medals at the Greco-Roman World Championships, a run that included a world team title in 2007 and three medals each in 01, 06, and 07. Since then, though, the U.S. has won just four total medals at the Greco-Roman World Championships and just eight total matches at the Olympics across 2012, 2016, and the 2020 Games. It is quite staggering to see those numbers written out, and that's... You know, that's just kind of the reality of the situation. USA Wrestling has made efforts to try and increase awareness and pr- promote Greco-Roman around the country. They recently launched the Greco-Roman Initiative Team, um, otherwise known as GRIT, which is kind of a grassroots effort that's targeting those very goals. There's also a wave of talented youth Greco-wrestlers making their way to the senior level. But I called up Timmy Hands to discuss these issues at length, just about the struggles the program has faced, what specifically USA Wrestling struggles with when it comes to senior level Greco, um, how we can go about promoting more Greco-Wrestling, so much more. We also talk a little bit about the Junior World Championships as the Greco-Roman tournament actually takes place on the back half of this week out in Russia. Um, Runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's local time. So Timmy also gives us a breakdown about what to expect from USA Wrestling's Junior Greco team later this week. A quick little precaution. um, Heads up. Uh, disclaimer, we did record this on Monday afternoon, so some of the things maybe we talked about um, a little less timely, but the conversation, very, very intriguing and very enlightening all the same. Uh, Timmy Hands, very gracious with his time, and I truly appreciated him coming on to talk with me about Greco. I very much enjoyed the conversation. I think you guys will too. That's enough of me blabbering. Let's cue up that intro music and get to today's show with Five Point Moves, Timmy's Hands. Um, I will see you guys on the other side.
guest. We're here with Timmy Hands from Five Point Move, um, or maybe we should say Tim Hands. That's what your uh, your Zoom title says, which I, I it's like a dressed up version of the <laughs> of the Greco Extraordinaire on Twitter. Um, Tim Hands, I, I really appreciate you coming on to chat some Greco with me today. Um, I, I, I guess I guess let me start here, man. How are you doing now that we're what about a week and a half removed from Tokyo? Maybe almost two weeks removed from the Greco competition specifically has. I, ha, have you been able to maybe digest a little further what the U.S. was able to, I, maybe I don't know if able to accomplish is the right way to phrase it, <laughs> their performance overall in Tokyo, let's put it that way. I think that if there were not a senior world team trials coming up in a few weeks, uh, I think we'd all still be biting down on it. The fact that the trials is such a fast turnaround, that's where my mind has gone more than anything else. It didn't take too too long of an adjustment from a content perspective i guess there's still a little bit more to unpack with it but uh the first few days i would say um i would say that once greco wrapped it was for me personally anyway and i can't speak for anybody else but i can tell you that it was difficult uh it was uh it was pretty difficult and it's not a jealousy thing um as a fan as just a wrestling fan and an american it's like part of you is like, okay, well, our freestyle team's coming up, our men's freestyle. The women were going every day. So, like, you were constantly getting fed really good performances there. But, like, with the men coming up, like, you knew you were going to get at least a couple of golds and you knew that, like, pretty much everybody else was going to medal. So, part of you was like, okay, well, hey, world, you beat us in Greco, but now our freestyle guys are coming out. So, you kind of get souped up in that way. And then, from a Greco standpoint, because we're a pretty insular community, I would say, unfortunately, it was like, I don't even want to look at what freestyle does right now. <laughs> so it was like two real extremes. I gotcha. I, well, let me let, maybe we should start there then. What was the most frustrating part about maybe just digesting the Greco team's performance? We don't need to rehash it. It was, I, people know by now how kind of rough those first few days were in Tokyo. But just from your perspective, maybe as somebody who's really been following the program and writing about the program and, and knows anybody and everybody in and around the program, what, what was the most frustrating part watching that? I would say my most frustrating for, for, for me anyway, the, my most frustrating moment that I felt was um, Tracy, uh, you know, Angelo Hancock, Tracy's second match on day two and the, there's a really there's a pretty significant reason for that and it's not because of the narrative uh, that tracy was our uh you know supposed best metal candidate because i don't i don't buy that you know it's not that i don't think tracy was it's just that that kind of tournament you off off the air you said the word crapshoot and that's exactly what Greco-Roman is a lot of times at the world level. It's a crapshoot because the margin is so thin between everybody. But the reason why there, I felt like Tracy was a turning point was not because of him alone. It, it wasn't that. I would never put that on an athlete. It's not his job to, to carry the entire team on his shoulders at an Olympiad. It was more what transpired Sunday morning. And so Sunday morning was, um, you know, the night before was day one, at least for us in you know the U S right. Yeah. 
And so Ildar had lost to Orta Sanchez from Cuba. And it was a surprise for me anyway, that Orta Sanchez blew past Chobanu from Moldova to get into the final. I thought that Orta Sanchez might beat Emelin from Russia. I thought he might uh, just because Emelin hasn't looked the same, but when he made it to the finally, so he pulls Ildar in at the same time, we're all get, we all get Tracy's draw. Okay. So Tracy's draw put him against uh, Serbia in the round of 16. And it was like, okay. And you looked and McCulloch from Poland had uh, Tunisia and it was like, okay, well, Tracy's going to wrestle McCulloch if he beats Serbia. And, you know, you, I hate to do that, but you, myself, I know I'm not alone. We looked at the bracket and we're like, look, if Tracy beats Serbia, he's going to be wrestling for a medal. It's that simple. So, and the craziest part about that, Cody, is that coach Matt Lilland and I, about a week and a half, two weeks before the tournament, rest the two nights before he left for Tokyo, we were going over a bunch of potential matchups that we thought might materialize for all four guys. For some reason, we were convinced that Tracy was going to draw Serbia in the first round. We were convinced of it. There was no rhyme or reason. We're just, it's, I think it had to do with the fact that Tracy had never competed against him before in an actual match. I don't know what it was, but for about 10, 15 minutes, we're talking about what that match might look like. And the fact that Tracy actually drew him blew my mind. I mean, I WhatsApp Lindland as soon as I saw it, like, it was like, can you believe this? Like, I was like, we called this, you know? And he was like, yeah, we did, you know? Anyway, just according to script, Tracy beat him the exact way we had thought he would. And it was like, okay, well, if he beats Serbia, he's going to have McCulloch. I don't know how much the audience might know about Tadius McCulloch, but he used to be an 87 kilogram guy for Poland. And I always liked him as a competitor. Anyway, I've always liked watching him just because he's, he's very intense. He's a, he's a workhorse. It's, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He gets, he gets chippy, he gets amped up. He says dumb things to the officials, or at least I, I don't speak Polish. I imagine they're dumb things to the officials. He's just fun to watch at the same time. He's undersized. And so McCulloch qualified 97 kilograms at the 2019 Worlds. And, and it was a shock because it was his first tournament ever in that weight. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Tracy, if for all intents and purposes, probably should have meddled in Nur Sultan. And it was like, okay, look at Tracy's destroyed better guys than this. And you don't like to say that. You don't like, the, especially in Greco, like you don't do that math. You know, like they call it MMA math or boxing math, where it's like, well, this guy can beat this guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like like logic. And so. I fell victim to that because the way I that Sunday morning went, it was like, wow, Tracy's going to wrestle Evloyev in the semifinal. And hey, he might beat Evloyev, but even if he doesn't beat Evloyev, he's going to be wrestling for a medal. That's how we, I personally saw it. Yeah. So you have Ildar and Repacharge on Sunday morning. And you have Tracy, who hadn't gone yet, but you looked at his draw, and I got sucked into that like a newbie. And it was like, all's my goal, what I really wanted for this team was to be in, was potentially to be in two medal matches. And right from the first night into that second morning, that's what you had in my mind. It was, and then when 
the match for Tracy against McCulloch went sideways and it was a sloppy second period. And this is not an excuse in any, I could not going to spend too much water going over it, but I don't know if anybody's noticed and maybe it's not as huge of a deal in freestyle, but the officials aren't touching the athletes. Okay. And then Tracy didn't lose because of this. I don't want to make it sound as though he did, or if it's, if it's some excuse, it's just that if you looked how sloppy and out of character that second period was, or even for both athletes, it's there. I mean, yeah. Are they toweling guys off? And yeah, they are, but the officials aren't patting them down anymore. These guys, especially in the upper weights, it was a slip and slide a lot of times in that arena, Yeah, you know, and it's like for Tracy to give up weird scramble points on the edge to a guy he's physically superior to was strange. I mean, honestly, it was. I've watched every single match with Tracy's pretty much over the last six years. And so that kind of bugs me. But I don't think that's why he lost. I think he I think he lost because McCulloch had an awesome tournament. And you know what? To give McCulloch even more credit, he did the decent thing and meddled. So (laughs) (laughs) I you know, the way you're just describing that, um, you know, that it kind of speaks to, and, and, you know, this is why I wanted to bring you on to kind of chat about this for a little bit was that, you know, you are so close to this program and these, and these wrestlers and these coaches that, you know, when, when things don't go the way that you think they will, or, you know, you see a draw and you start to salivate a little bit. Cause it's like, Hey, this is the year, um, you know, that, that Tracy finally gets through and, and he, you know, gets that opportunity to perhaps win a world or Olympic medal, Um, and then when it doesn't happen, you're just, you're looking for like any and every little thing as to like, why didn't this happen? Like, as if to, you know, and I, you know, I kind of go through this whenever I watch like guys from Kansas city, Russell at like, you know, the NCAA championships, the Midlands national tournaments, this, that, and the next, like when I'm following all these guys that came out of like park Hill and Oak park and all that, like, I'm just so close to those guys that like, when I see the, how they lose, I'm just like, well, there was this position and this particular point at that particular match. Like, it's just, you know, the the fandom that you bring to Greco, um, you know, in addition to obviously the the content that you produce and the stories that you write and and how you're able to kind of give these guys, you know, an extra special platform that maybe the rest of the wrestling world doesn't always give them. Um, You know, that's, I mean, this is why I wanted to chat with you about that, just because the fandom that you bring is so, it's so awesome to me and so fascinating to me, but also like you seem like the perfect guy to chat about, Um, you know, I, we don't have to rehash what happened this Olympics, but, but this was the third straight Olympic games where the U S has gone without a medal. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things I wanted to discuss with you because you, you, you put out this brilliant Twitter thread not too long ago, um, just about, you know, a lot of people are on Twitter and and that's kind of the beautiful and also ugly thing about Twitter is that everybody's kind of got a, got a voice now. Um, you kind of, you put out this awesome thread that was just kind of like, Hey, I've seen a lot of this. I have a response to it and I'm going to get it out now. And it was just kind of your thoughts articulated very beautifully. I might add about what's been going on (laughs) with USA wrestling's Greco program and just why it's really been struggling, you know, over the last, you know, I guess you could date all the way back to the last 12 years or so. Um, And I was kind of wanting to hoping that you could maybe expound on that a little bit, at least, you know, from your perspective, a little bit, you know, the last three games, we haven't had an Olympic medalist. Why do you think that is? Um, that's a bad, uh, that's bad public speaker on my part to say, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast, man. We're good. Uh, Andy B sick. Okay. Um, so 
yeah that was hair trigger a little bit um that whole story because i don't like doing anything serious on twitter okay i'm um i am not special i am uh nobody and um the last thing i want is to yeah okay i mean you can make a, a bunch of points to the uh to the positive and you could say well you know, Twitter's a good place for wrestling because it creates conversation and things like that. But, you know, on the flip side to that, I'm old enough to remember when message boards were a thing. And um, <laughs> they're still a thing, unfortunately. Well, there you go. And it's like, yeah, you're going to create conversation. But is that the kind of conversation you need to have? Right. Uh, and so be sick. Uh, whom I love. I <laughs> I said to Beesick, I said, like I texted him right after I sent all those tweets. And I said, um, the least masculine sentence I have to offer today is this. I just posted a bunch of tweets hammering the idiots who think they know how to fix Greco. (laughs) And he texted me back. I wanted to today, but just couldn't get myself to post, which is definitely within character because I mean, the fact that he even has an account still is impressive to me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, three Olympics. Three Olympics, and not only three Olympics without a medalist, but the, the uh, other X factor to that is uh, it's also three Olympics where, well, really four, but um, where we haven't qualified all of the weights even. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey. It's difficult to to run 2012 into the conversation, if only because there's, you know, it's 180 turnover. That we don't have the same program anymore. We don't have the same leadership, and uh, it's tough. I mean, that team I thought that was Spencer's uh, Spencer Mangos. That was his second Olympics. That was Ellis's first. Um, Jermil's last, but. Uh, I remember that team that was Harry Lester's first actually. Yeah. And um, I thought that team was sick to be honest with you. I thought that team was sick and just, it was a tough tournament. Uh, 2016 was a tough tournament, especially because they all lost pretty much the same way and the same for the same reason, you know, um, you could quibble about different officiating stuff and, Whatever, but the 2016 one was a, a real head scratcher, especially watching Robbie Smith um, out hustle Saba Shariati from Azerbaijan, hits an arm throw that should have been scored for four in the first period. It gets scored for two, and Robbie's outworking him in the second period because he knows what's going to happen. I mean, he knows, and even with that, he still got put down and he gave up some guts, and that was it. And that ended the tournament for the U.S. essentially. So um, I, you know, Cody, I don't want to necessarily drag this into a dissertation, but the, I didn't, I don't like to editorialize our, the national program. I do yeah. not. And it's not because there's some kind of incestuous relationship between five point move and the national program or something like that, because that's not it. I mean, I could put a hat on and take it off when need be. It's more that it's, the conversation that people in this country seem to have about Greco only takes place following an Olympics, not even a world. 
you know, once I mean, it's uh, one of in 2017 or 18. Some people on social media had some dopey things to say and whatever. And that's fine. That didn't turn into anything. 18 actually saved us, saved the program in a way because Adam uh, Kuhn had, uh, you know, he had obviously put together that spectacular run and wound up with a silver medal. But it's like what the greater wrestling populace in the United States only wants to talk about what's wrong with the Greco program following an Olympics where nothing good happens. That's where we're going to, that's when we're going to have the conversation. Cause let me tell you something, that conversation needs to take place on baseline. It needs to take place day one. Okay. Well, guess what? We're on day one again. Now this is a whole new quad. Yeah. It's not four years, but nevertheless, here we are. Okay. The conversation wasn't, wasn't, shouldn't have happened just because some people who sometimes watch Greco for some reason had an emotional chord struck. Okay. That's ridiculous. And it's non-productive. Okay. The reason why we're not performing at the Olympics is the same exact reason why we are no longer a consistent world cup team, at least this generation. And that is because developmentally this country is not the same as it used to be. Now, it was never awesome, okay, like as far as developmentally. It was never, the United States was never some hotbed for grassroots Greco comparative to the rest of the world. That's never happened. But the difference is, is that the rest of the world has turned up the heat in their own youth programs, their own age group programs. If you go and look at cadet and even junior, but certainly cadet world's going back, you know, whatever, before they had the 11 year break or whatever it was, those cadet worlds were hardly populated. There were like six countries, seven countries, a lot of times. Well, it's a different world now. They, they're all developing their kids at six, seven, eight years old or whatever that magic wrestling age is. And we're not, we're not. And it's funny because I'm a hypocrite. And not that that's hilarious <laughs> because I believe that we need to have kids. I well, kids, we need to have adolescents at the very least kind of understanding what authentic international Greco Roman looks and more importantly feels like. I'm also not ready to have a fire sale on the concept of collegiate Greco Roman athletes either. And when I say that I'm talking about, guys who wrestle in a four-year scholastic college wrestling program, but also do Greco, because I do still think that that model works. I do. Uh, there are some who disagree with me, but the, my stance on that is whatever they're lacking positionally, they make up for with competitiveness, with gameness. And if you go back and look... Forget the 80s. Not that the 80s were the dark ages, but it was a it was a different culture. It was a different generation. But go to the 90s. Each year throughout the 90s, if we we were we had medalists almost every year, sometimes multiple medalists. And the, like I said, the, the barometer for me is World Cup. OK, that's my benchmark there. Like if you're a top kind of program you're in the world cup event you know at the end of the fall or whenever they want to have it and throughout the 90s the u.s was a world cup team 
Okay. Uh, obviously things picked back up again, following the Athens quad, because in 2006, this country tied for second and 2007 won, won the world championships. But ultimately it's not just the U S's problem insofar as that Greco is fourth place really. Um, It's also that the rest of the world has like, they're, they're much, much better, much younger than they used to be. Now we're still in the game at cadet and junior a little bit, but there's a really huge difference between junior and senior internationally. So things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you're, you pulling out these dates from the nineties. I even look back into the early two thousands, you know, before Athens, after Athens, um, you know, the 2004 games, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big stats nerd, right. So I have it all mapped out like this, you know, like I mentioned the previous three Olympics, but you know, the, the four Olympic games before that 96, 2004 and 08, we had eight total medalists. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, if we had kept that same average, I don't know that we would be having these Greco conversations, right? And then even then you look through, you know, the 2001 through the 2007, those world championships, we had 11 medalists. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's and good, good run. I think it was 01, 06, and 07. We had three Greco medalists each of those three years, right? And in between yep. there, you had Rulon winning gold. Um, Linlin and Paulson both got to the finals. Byers won his world title in 02. Joe Warren came out in 06. Um, you know, Varian got to the finals in 07. Um you know, there's, could this be kind of, you know, I know a lot of people in, in a lot of different sports and especially wrestling talk about ebbs and flows. You know, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, Jordan Burroughs was our only men's freestyle medalist at the world championships. Right. Like, and That's now, a good point. now you've got a lot of studs on that team. I mean, could this be an ebb and flow type of thing? Because I, you know, since, since 08, really, since Adam Wheeler was the last Olympic medalist we've had, I think we've only ever had four world medalists since 09, right? Like, it's just, could this be one of those ebbs and maybe we're working our way up or how do you see this? <sighs> yeah. Yes. And no. Yes. And so far as if not Paris, if not Paris, at least assuming that we are going to keep this sport in its entirety in the Olympic curriculum, Assuming that wrestling isn't going to go anywhere, you look at the the kind of this. Uh, what do I call them? The brat pack. Okay, we have like this brat pack, brat pack group of young Greco guys: the Benji Peaks, Austin Nutters, uh, Peyton Omanias, Colton Schultz. Um, you could throw David Stepanian in there. You could even throw a couple of these even slightly older guys in there, even like Dalton Roberts and Taylor Lamont and Dylan Gregerson and so on down the line. There's a probably, you could probably get to about two dozen deep. If you're going to count the guys like Tracy and Kamal and whomever else they're taking over the program. Okay. And I don't say that necessarily completely triumphantly because I am very close to a lot of athletes and 
I hate to see guys walk away, but it's an inevitability. Right. And so we're starting to shake hands with that kind of turnover. And this next group, not unanimously, but for the most part, are by and large and have been full time for quite a spell. Okay. So in that sense, this could be working its way up. You could go ahead and dig down a little younger with the Robert Perez's, Peyton Jacobson's. And yeah, you know, there's, there's certainly reasons for optimism. There's, and I'm, and I'm not just saying that as like some kind of poster boy for the program or something like that. I would never right. do that. Like yeah. I, that's how I honestly see it, but working against that is still a really strange system as a whole. And it's not, it's not just that folk style is, you know, so all encompassing because Greco Roman in this country needs to stop using that as a crutch Yeah, because it was still there, you know, in the eighties, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, you, you can't always, in my opinion, anyway, you can't always point to that. It's not the style that is the problem to me anyway. It's what it's like this. <clears throat> I'm not going to say this, right. I'm just not going to say it right. And we're all going to have to live with that, but it's like this. Okay. College folk style, high school folk style and everything else is, is first off is different than when I was a kid It's different. I mean, these kids are having 150 matches a year sometimes. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's a different competitive playing field. They're so hardened by such a younger age. Um, but they become excellent competitors, excellent competitors, tremendous competitors, the best competitors in the world. Like, If there's one thing I'll say about Fargo, it is the most competitive tournament in the world, probably. Probably. Okay. Like the amount of viciousness you see in backsides of Fargo brackets, you don't <laughs> even see that overseas sometimes. Right. You don't. And the point that I'm trying to get at is, is that we see these athletes come and they wrestle Greco at Fargo and at junior duels or cadet duels or Northern Plains, which Northern Plains has a, that's a cornerstone tournament in our country age group wise. And it's like, you look at them and it's not because they wrestle folk style eight other months out of the year. That's not it. It's that, they're not even being availed the option to continue wrestling Greco a lot of times once they get to college. Now I'm not going to mention names, but there are several, a few just who are incoming freshmen who have been baited and switched by their college coaches, college coaches telling them, Hey, yeah, yeah. If you come here, you'll still be able to wrestle Greco. You'll still be able to do this still be able to do that. You'll be able to go to camps. You'll be, nope. They sign on. And then it's no, we, we want you to do what's going to make you better for our program. Okay. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. This is not conjecture. Like this has happened. I've had parents tell me about it. Okay. And that's nonsense. That's nonsense. 
because I'm over here trying to stand up for the college Greco wrestlers. Like, Hey, listen, we don't need everybody to come full time at 16. But then again, if that's how it's going to be at the collegiate level, then yeah, maybe we do need them to come over full time at 16. Not everybody is Braxton Amos and at the Wisconsin regional training center where they're, they're just like, yeah, do what you love or Utah Valley or Colton over there at Arizona or Cornell and things like that. I mean, what I just named what four or five places tops. Well, how many programs are there? How many RTCs are there? Right. A whole lot more than four or five. And so it's like, we want that competitiveness in the Greco program because that competitiveness is much more important than the stylistic differences. Okay. Like, listen, if you get an 18, 19, 20 year old, I wouldn't say 23 year old, but if you get somebody between in that, that age range, junior, and they're, they've had some age group Greco experience, but they've also like, they're really just a, a mean machine when it comes to folk style, you can teach them. You can teach them positionally. You can hopefully work with them parterre defense wise, hopefully, hopefully. Um, but what you can't teach them is that competitiveness. That's what they get because that's what they acquire because of all of the time they've spent hardening their skills in folk style. And that's why I love watching the cadet age level the most is because for better or worse, no matter what happens at the cadet worlds or even the cadet trials here, those kids don't care what it says on the back of somebody's singlet. They don't care about the country code. They're animals. Like that kid Otto Black went against three really good foreigners and he like attacked them like it was personal. Okay. And so what happens for our seniors is that sometimes, and not all the time, but sometimes they have the same syndrome that, let's say, I or my brother had when we were in sixth, seventh grade. And it's like, oh, man, you see this kid in the bracket. He's like, oh, he goes to this club. Or you see him warming up in the other corner. He's wearing like these really cool shoes, really cool knee pads. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's going to be good. Right. It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing almost. It's like, oh, well, I got this guy. He's from Georgia or he is from Russia or Turkey or whatever the case might be. And it's like, well, our seniors a lot of times aren't working with the, the appropriate level of confidence. Sometimes, not all. It's not a unanimous problem. It's not ubiquitous up and down the roster, but it's the byproduct of becoming a full-time Greco-Roman wrestler when you're 22 and you have to relearn wrestling. You know, that's something we need to fix developmentally because if we don't, then Greco is just going to be a hobbyist's activity. It's not going to be, it's not going to be on the same level as an Olympic sport in this country. I mean, it barely is now, very barely is, you know, it's, it's still in the Olympics. Therefore we still have a national governing body who supports it and sanctions it and everything else. But like, if we don't fix this, this generation, which when I say generation, that doesn't mean um, like human generation, like, uh, you know, like, I don't know what's considered a generation as far as lifespan goes, let's say 50 years. I don't even mean it like that. I mean, like, if we don't fix it, this wrestling generation, which is, in my mind, a dozen years. Like, if we don't, I don't know what we're staring at. But, like, this has to be fixed, and I don't know how to do that. I don't. I just know that a bunch of part-time Greco people on Twitter saying they have an idea how to fix it, and I, I can tell you that they definitively do not. And that's why I said it's their part of the problem. Right. 
that's exactly why I said that, not to sound self-important about it, Cody, but that's what irritated me. It's like, well, where were you? Where were you at the Hungarian Grand Prix when that was going on? Where were you during Thorn Masters? Where were you at um, when Serbia came here for a, a dual meet a few years ago? Like, no, this is the only thing you're paying attention to. So you think you have a bead on it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Anyway. No, I said, and I thought you made you kind of along the lines of what you said there. Um, I thought you made a really good point in that Twitter th- thread and I'll link it in the show notes. If you guys don't know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. really, you guys really got to go see this because it, it, Oh my gosh. Then it brings up a lot of really good points, but one specifically that you just kind of touched on there was that, and I'm going to read it verbatim here. Um, we are a country that has to develop its seniors, meaning that we get most of them long after instincts, habits, tendencies, attitudes, and positional awareness have been tuned hardcore towards a style that only exists here, meaning folk style. There are foreigners who, pract- who are uh, practically sympathetic towards American Greco athletes because they know that we are forced to play a perpetual game of catch up on the world level. In your experience, Tim, talking to these athletes, talking to these coaches, what is the hardest part about what a lot of these guys have to face on the world level if they aren't, you know, say a Tracy or a Kamal Bay or some of these guys that really do dedicate themselves to Greco? Like when they go over to these, you know, to these Greco competitions, to these Grand Prix, to these world championships, to these, you know, Olympic qualifying events, what, what are some of the toughest things that they're up against that, you know, sets them behind the eight ball, so to speak, because they don't do Greco full time for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years before they go do these events? Well, that's an awesome question. Um, well, it's, I mean, Tracy, Tracy understood, you now Tracy has good mentorship. You know, uh, Tracy has, I mean, never mind, uh, you know, he, the national team coach has known him since he was a, you know, a teen, but um, he also has TC Dantzler. Yeah. And um, TC Dantzler, I, I don't want to wax poetic too long about him, but he's a special person. Yeah. Uh, he just really is. So, um, but Tracy got the program right away. He was like, okay, well, here's what I know. I know that, and this is 2017 I'm talking about, and who Tracy's uh, rival in 2017 was Hayden Zilmer who is a, an amazing athlete in his own right to say Still the very least. Still oh, yes, athlete, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I hated to lose him. I hated it. Um, but Tracy got the program. He was like, okay, well, outside of this, outside of Hayden, yeah, there's some distance between me and everybody else. So what do, what do we do about this? Well, that's easy. Spend as much time overseas as humanly possible as, as resources would allow. Okay. Kamal, same thing. To, to a slightly lesser extent, but same protocol. And it's not just those two. Anybody who's like dug in, Pat Smith, you know, anytime you could go and spend three weeks in Sweden, you know, overseas is huge. And that's also our disadvantage too, because it's like um, in Europe. So Europe, all those countries are the equivalent to our states. So it's like, they can go and get great competition against each other by getting in a van and driving for a few hours. Well, for us, we have to pick and choose our spots. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, well, how many times are you going to go overseas really in a year? Maybe three or four, maybe. Okay. And it's like the Europeans they're in their continents, you know, they get to travel around, get different looks all the time, jump in different tournaments and, I mean, not that they get 50 matches a year, but nevertheless. And 
I mean, Asia isn't even like Europe, you know, because Asia, the way Asia, the Asian Greco countries, I'll say, I mean, they're also freestyle countries, but they're a little bit more spread out, a little bit more dispersed. It's not quite as clustered together as Europe is. Uh, but still, that's their advantage, too, in Europe. It's not just that they they do this style and only this style since they're kids. It's also they don't have to really break themselves when it comes to travel to get different feels and different competitive looks and, you know, test out different stuff from parterre. And parterre is huge right now. Yeah. Like in some some eras, it's not the same. There was an era in the uh, 90s where they had passivity, but they would just put the guys down. There was no point attached to it. And so what you could get put down, you know, three or four times in a match if they felt like it, you know, and what the result of that was the U.S. program was much better on parterre defense because you absolutely completely and totally had to be. Yeah. Now, not that you don't now, because, I mean, a, a U.S. guy, if, if he's worth his salt, knows that he's going to get put down unless, like, something's going dramatically one way or the other. But parterre defense, parterre pass, passivity parterre, that's how I write it, like, as far as five-point goes. Yeah. Is uh, that's how I write it because I'm not going to say the same thing over and over again. I have to type this all out. Okay, he, he, passivity, and with passivity comes parterre. So I started like hyphen, not hyphening. What do you call it when you put a forward slash? Um, you're a journalist, Cody. What do you call that? Um, <laughs> a forward slash. Uh, so passivity PT. I started doing. I was like, you, you know go. what? Even if, even if you know, seven thousand people read this article today. Truth of the matter is, is maybe 15% of them are familiar with what PT is going to stand for, but that's got to be okay because this recap is 2,200 words as it is. Uh, we're going to have to live with that. <laughs> but like, uh, it's like passivity is weaponized in this sport. You know, it's not a, it's technically not a penalty passivity. It's technically match stimulation. Okay. Now, I think that's talking at both sides of one's mouth because there's a point attached to it. So how is it not a penalty? You know, but either way, that is our inherent weakness more than anything else. And the, from a tactical technical standpoint, it totally is. Now, American athletes will tell you, especially the younger guys actually describe it better than the older ones. They will tell you that, on the feet even is very different. Okay. The feel you get back from an international counterpart is different from a domestic one, like just weight displacement, footwork, how somebody weaves and gets inside and outside of an underhook and then turns it into an arm drag for a go behind or reach around or whatever it is like their expert level at 18, 19, when it comes to, the real, real finer point nuances of balance, hip position, their posture. Okay. We have a, a, a thing where a lot of us guys kind of bend at the waist sometimes, 
Well, why do they do that? Well, they do that because where did they learn to wrestle their school system or whatever? Yeah. And so it's like there are a million and one little things. Hand fighting, just grabbing onto somebody's wrist. They they game passivity overseas. They game it like they know how to get into positions just to look busy enough to get at the passive. But they're really not trying to do anything. Okay, it's not like, oh, yeah, this guy's working harder. So, you know, we're going to call passive on the other guy. It's like, nah, this guy's got an underhook. He's got a wrist and he's doing the waltz, you know, but they but they understand how to how to compete in those situations. Yeah. And they've known that since they were teens. We don't. So. That is. Yeah, I feel there's a lot of, you know, I kind of had similar thoughts in my head, but I obviously I wanted to hear from the expert first, just kind of what. What are the little? <laughs> what are the little things that these Greco guys are up against? Why, you know, why little things like this, that, and the next? I don't know. Like it's very, it's still as, and I consider. I, I was talking about this with you, you know, before we hit record. That you know, I, I consider myself probably more of a casual Greco fan, but I do appreciate the the type of Greco fight that it is. Um, just because of where I grew up in Kansas City with Gary Mayab right down the street. And, and you know, he, he's been all about USA Greco for as long as I've known him. And we obviously had the mangoes kind of leading the charge out of Missouri to, um, you know, just really reinforce the, the importance of just practicing and continuing to work on Greco. And, um, you know, but it is a different level overseas, right? Like I go watch, you know, just watching it at Fargo and then a week and a half later, we're watching it at the Olympics and it, it's such a different level. And, um, you know, I felt like at the end of the Greco competition in Tokyo, maybe I picked up on a few extra things here and there um, just because you, you get to sit and fully watch it. Not unlike watching a world championships, but, you know, maybe this is where my casual Greco fandom comes in because outside of, you know, local tournaments, some, you know, the junior Greco national duels, the 16 new Greco national duels, a lot of those things like, and then I'll watch the world championships. You know, I'm not watching these grand prix like you might be, um, you know, either because I, I don't know that they're on the schedule. I'm busy with a bunch of other things because I don't just cover wrestling, right? So, like, even when it comes to the Junior World Championships this week, which was another thing I wanted to touch on, uh, touch on, talk about with you, um, you know, I'm not going to – I don't have the time to stay up at 1 in the morning like I did for the Olympics, right? So, like, it's just – Hey, I, I got to be at work early too, man. <laughs> I, I, I totally do right now. I'm not uh, – I don't have the uh, work-from-home uh, situation currently, so I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah, but just, you know, watching, I just, I, I couldn't help but notice just really fully taking in this Olympics, maybe more so just than I have in years past, mostly because of the job I'm doing now. Um, it is, it's just, it's a different type of fight and a different type of struggle than maybe, you know, freestyle and even folk style wrestling and even high level Greco in the States. Like, it's just, it's so much more, I keep using the word nuance, but like, it's just, there yeah. are, there are different things to international Greco that just a lot of us here in the States don't fully under get understand unless we watch more of it. Right. And so that's, you know, that's like you said, that's, we, we need to have these conversations after, you know, high level senior level tournaments, um, you know, that go on throughout the year instead of after the Olympics. Right. Well, it's the best part about it. The best part about Greco to me is the fact that, like, you, first off, I don't believe in overusing the word nuance because that's it's a catch all word that describes it perfectly because there's a million different little battles taking place that are right beneath the surface. And <clears throat> kind of like the fight within the match. almost. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, the fights that take place just to get to a position, a position that may only be open for 
three seconds. Yeah. And it's, uh, to me, that's riveting. Um, I wouldn't want to, as much as I loathe having a point attached to passivity, as much as I dislike it, I wouldn't want to necessarily even, you know, uh, monkey around with the rules. Like, just leave them alone for a while. Like, just don't even touch them. You know, like, don't try to break what is currently not really too broken. And if only because it's it allows for it allows, I think, for uh, not to romanticize the entire thing, but it almost allows like a narrative to develop the way that we have this uh, rule set. And I, I enjoy the format a lot. But it's like, yes, that's, you know, in that, in that sense, Cody, and I'm not, and I believe me, I'm not saying that I'm not fishing here when I say this, but in that sense, this is where five point move has failed. Um, certainly from an educational aspect in that getting that point across that there's differences. And it's like, I said this in that, <laughs> I, said, I said this in the Twitter thing, but it's like, yeah, this isn't Fargo. Okay. You know, go ahead. You watch Fargo and sure. Are you going to see super talented, hardworking, just beast wrestlers of both genders? Yes, you absolutely will go ahead and watch Fargo Greco. And that's exactly what you're going to see. You're going to see a ton of talent. Watch a junior level tournament from Armenia. Put them side by side on your screen and tell me if they look the same. They'd probably be two totally different tournaments. It is watch. It is. It is like watching the difference between kickboxing and boxing. Okay. There's something missing. Okay. And our officials don't help. And I'm not here to call them all out on the carpet because a lot of them are. I was very cool with the officials in our country prior to the Olympic trials. We had a whole. Uh, <laughs> we could do a whole different podcast on that. We alone, had, huh, man, <laughs> we had a whole thing where we were starting to feature officials that once a month, but then the Olympic trials happened and the debacle at 87 kilograms and, uh, officials got, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, more prominent officials, um, whatever anyway, but I'm not here to, uh, to go ahead and diss them. Cause it's, I, I don't even think it's their fault really. But it, the officials in our country, whether we're talking age group or even senior, they're not calling the matches the way they're competed overseas. Correct. And I don't care who I don't care how many of our American officials get Olympic assignments and world assignments and whatever else. We're not calling it the same. OK, overseas, they're much more aggressive when it comes to past this and to and to get things going and calling attentions and everything else. They're really in. They're really on the ball here. I've watched national finals, world team trial finals. Forget about round of 16s and 32s at nationals, which those are important matches too. But, you know, we don't even focus on those uh, for the officials. But like they're I've seen these matches where they're not they're not calling passives at all. They're not calling them in the second period. They're, they're not calling them in the first period. And it's like, well, wait a minute. This is the system. I said in that, that I, I hate being known for a Twitter thread, but I said <laughs> in that Twitter thread that I said in the, the Twitter thread that we have to develop our seniors. Well, how the matches are officiated is part of our development. Right. 
So what do you expect to happen when like you have, you take a 19 year old at Northern Michigan university, one of B six kids and you go and you put him in Sweden. Okay. At the clipping cup or Mallor Coopin or whatever they have. And it's like, he's getting called for passive when he's not used to it. He's like, well, I wrestled U 23 here. Or well, I wrestled junior here. I, I, you know, like they didn't, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm trying to go as hard as I can. Why am I getting called passive? Well, because look, whether or not there are times the officials tune things against Americans overseas is not even the point. And they do. But it's more that the officials overseas who grew up with this style in this discipline, they're not worried necessarily about pace and how hard somebody's working. They're looking at who's doing everything they can to advance a position. That's what they're looking at. Is this a workable position? Like, or are they just pummeling for pummeling's sake? Right. You know, and that those that's another developmental component on which we need to pay a lot more attention. thing I wanted to pick your brain about um, was obviously the junior world championships taking place this week. Um, Greco is on the back half of the schedule. So I think they're, they started with men's freestyle. Um, they'll do women in the middle of the week and then they'll finish up with Greco. Um, I know we talked about a little bit about how the, there are, there are some exciting prospects coming up through the Greco program. We mentioned Tracy, who's only 23, um, you 24, know, but, all, but yeah, 24. Okay. So just turned. Just turned 24. Uh, but, you know, I, we mentioned Kamal Bay, Colton Schultz. Um, you know, I know Michigan State's got a handful of guys like Omania and, and Cam Caffey's been on a junior world team in Greco. Um, you know, this this uh, the, the guys that are competing this week, I've seen a handful of them compete, right? I mean, you mentioned Braxton Amos, too. He's going to do both. He's in the freestyle finals as we're yep. recording this. Um, but also, you know, Luke Luffman, a talented heavyweight from Illinois. Um, Nick Buzakis is another talented. Um, oh, you know, my gosh, that kid is out. a little machine. Right. Um, you know, some other clubs and stuff that, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the Cornell influence, right. There's some Spartan combat guys that are going to be on this team competing. Kodiak Stevens is a talented guy from California who I got, who I've gotten to see in a little bit this summer. Um, you know, there's a handful of legends of gold here, guys. I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement on, on this team, the junior team. And, um, I know you mentioned before we hit recording that you're, you're, you're excited to watch these guys. If nothing else, it takes your mind a little further away from Tokyo. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I aren't like, what, what are you maybe hoping to see from these guys? I know it's easy to just, you, you know, ask for expectations or whatnot, but I guess, you know, as someone who really, really pays attention to this style of wrestling, maybe more so than, than a lot of other people. Um, what are you maybe hoping to see from this, from the junior Greco team this week later on? Well, number one is that they all wind up becoming committed full-time seniors. Eventually uh, that would be absolutely number one. <laughs> we that. might, we might have a little bit of trouble with the 97, um, but the other nine, I think we have a, a decent shot. Um, the 97, he just has way too many options. And um, speaking of Braxton Amos, first off, I'm, I'm very happy for him uh, personally, but he comes from a great family. So I just want to throw that out there. His parents are great. Um, just you talk to that kid and he is, you know, I'm, I, I don't talk. I try not to talk to 19 and 20 year olds the same way I would talk to contemporaries. Right. But 
it's just, it's easy to tell that kid was raised correctly. It's just, he has wonderful parents, but anyway, um, whoa, this team is a very interesting junior team and I'm not going to, we're, we're starting to, you know, extend this thing here almost. So I'm not going <laughs> to, <laughs> uh, there's a lot, I, there's a, a lot to say about it. Um, but the key point here is, is that you're, you have this mix this time around. Now we always get a mixed bag at junior as far as what their, what their level of Greco uh, life, I guess is, is like, you know, like you're always going to get a mix of kids who are like, or have been into hardcore Greco since they were 14. And then you're going to get kids who are just, you know, really good at it, but they, they really just, they're really just focused on hopefully winning an NCAA title. And that's fine too. But in this case, what I find to be really compelling is that you have an allotment of, you have three who were on a cadet team. Okay. And then you have a couple of others who have what we define in five point move world as relevant overseas experience. And so relevant is like uh, something we came up with that kind of, it's like to qualify as relevant means You've been overseas more than two or three times and you've not just gone there for competition, but you've spent time training there and whatever. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a, a tongue in cheek thing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I think this team is interesting is because even without those, that little group within the group. Okay. And Billy Sullivan would be key among them because he's, he's got, I think the most overseas miles logged out of the entire team, I would think. But um, is that you have Chase LaJoy, okay, who, you know, we all knew about because of what he did prior before he got to Cornell. You know, he was a Fargo champ and did, a, you know, a few other things. But it's it's not – it's Chase LaJoy came out for the Junior Nationals in November of last year, and he beat – a really excellent athlete in the final David Stepanian from Northern Michigan, who just took second at the senior nationals and made the U23 team. And it's like Chase LaJoy wants to do Greco. He's a Greco first guy who's out of college. I'd say he's at an excellent college and he's probably going to be an excellent collegiate wrestler sooner or later. But like somebody like him is the kind of wrestler who can do something at the junior worlds because they understand what the landscape's about just enough. Does he have the overseas experience? No, nah, not really, but he doesn't, somebody like that doesn't really need it. Yeah. Um, Kodiak Stevens, uh, who Nate Engel loves. Um, I mean, uh, you know, that's okay for Nate. Nate's losing his hair. And uh, since he was, uh, you know, 11 years old and now look at him. And, um, but like, uh, <laughs> Nate loves Kodiak. I, I watched Kodiak compete. And uh, once again, it's competitiveness. Does Kodiak Stevens have overseas experience? He does not. Is he going to be ready for what a foreigner can bring to the table on parterre top? No, I don't know. Uh, maybe not. But that's not the most important part of that tournament for somebody like Kodiak Stevens. You know, it's what he's going to be able to do as far as what favors his strengths. And that's what this junior team, I think, is all about is working their opponents into their strengths. And if you look, they all do that. Like they all do it. They don't just scramble their way to points and somehow they wound up on the junior team. Like 
and you see that at age groups sometimes where it's like, yeah, they're good. They're kind of, you could see the makings of a good Greco wrestler, but really they're just taking their overall athleticism and just finding a way to come up with points. And that was enough to get on the team and congratulations. No, all 10 guys have an idea and that's important. Just saying that word idea, they have an idea of what they want to do from their positions. That's huge. It's huge. Because no matter who they go against, what country they're from, that whole game internationally is manipulating position. It's what they it's what the foreigners do like on a level that's automated. And I just think it's a really strong, tough team. Luke Luffman is not an enormous heavyweight. He's not. He's not Adam Cohn. He's not six foot five. He's not gonna bully people over. But he tries to score from his feet. He tries to score from his feet with techniques that, you know, are more common probably at 82 kilos than they are at heavyweight for crying out loud. But he's that kind of athlete. And then the Buzakis kid. And that's what I call him even like on the phone with people. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, I, uh, he absolutely turned everybody's heads at the uh, senior last chance Olympic trials qualifier. Um, the way that he dismantled a couple of people, well, Koontz for one, and then gave Travis Rice a very hard time. And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How old is he? <laughs> like, and it's, uh, I, I mean, look, it, I don't do the, I don't do, I don't play the game. You know, whenever, Whenever a junior, uh, junior or senior worlds or any kind of world level tournament is coming up, but sometimes it's like people will say stuff to me like, oh, you know, like how many medals do you think you're going to get? And it's like, well, they can get 10 medals <laughs> or they can get zero. I have absolutely no idea how that's going to work. But right. the one thing I'm looking forward to for this junior team is competitiveness. And it's a great mix of kids, uh, guys, whatever. I mean, U20, so... Uh, it's a great mix. The the you have the a, a batch of hardened pseudo full timers. The seventy two for the junior team, Justice Scott. He is actually the one guy on the team who I look at and I'm like, this kid could have competed in any, any era, in any era, just because he's he's that physical. Um, just uh, he bludgeons people in the tie ups. And, and to be honest with you, part of that is only because like, I, I think he just really enjoys it. I don't think he's trying to do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I just, I watch him and I'm like, I, there's no way he's looking for anything here. I, th I think he just saw that the guy's neck was open and decided here was a good opportunity to turn my forearm into it. Um, and that's the, you know what, not to stu stupefy it, but that's what it takes. Right. Like the, 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 the international wrestlers, there's some who are different. The one thing they respect about the Americans, even now, and this should be said too. And if you want to close on this, you could. It's your show. But the one thing that needs to be said is that the U.S. program is currently sure. Is it is is it in like a? I don't want to say it's in a down phase or something. But you know, you're coming off an Olympics where you didn't get any medals, and you're coming off of a World Championships in 19 where you not only didn't get medals but you didn't qualify anybody. Okay, I understand the narrative very well. But no matter what, the one thing that people need to realize is the United States is respected. We're respected because of our fight and our our conditioning. OK, that's why the U.S. is still brought in everywhere overseas for camps and everything else. They want 
to train with the U.S. guys, because even if they might be a little bit ahead of us technically, they're not ahead of us when it comes to combat. They're not. Okay, we're we have the missing pieces that we have are small details that just happen to be very, very important. Okay. And if we were on the same page developmentally, that would not be the case. I can tell you, but like these juniors, they bring the best qualities that the seniors have to offer to the table. And the best part about that is that junior is not senior. So we're not that far behind a junior. Not really. I mean, we're coming off of a performance in 2019 that was very close to history making. We came out with three medals. You know, so like um, I'm really pumped up about this junior team and I'm not saying that in a salesy way, like uh, they deserve it. They're all hardworking guys. They're all they all respect what this style is about. And the the thing that warms the heart is that they were all super pumped to make the team. I mean, Braxton Amos did not have a very difficult time making either junior team, but he was still really thrilled to get on the junior team. It meant something to him. You know what I mean? And that's really kind of all you ask for out of these athletes. 100%. 100%. I like that. That would have been a great closing thought, but I have one final question for you. For those who watched Tokyo, the Greco competition in Tokyo, and who are planning to watch even a little bit of the Junior World Greco Championships coming up, what are some things that you would advise them to look for, to watch for, to pay attention to if they want to learn more about Greco over the next few days at the end of this week? Have foreigners adjust for sure. And I hate to use foreigners because I don't want to be accused of xenophobia. Uh, but uh, that's the, that's the brush I paint everybody else in the world with. Um, the foreigners adjust to what you're doing. Okay. Now that's sounds easy, but it's not easy. Because the Americans at each age group bring bring a lot of heat to the table normally. And so you'll see, okay, a guy keeps getting an underhook on the left, underhook on the left, underhook on the left. And you're watching the American guy get all these underhooks. And you're like, wait a minute, this is awesome. Like, you know, something as simple as an underhook. And he's getting it over and over. Well, that foreigner, that foreign wrestler will switch their stance. And they'll start attacking from the other side. They'll start, you know, kind of uh, baiting the arm, the opposite arm. And the next thing you know, you're leaving, somebody's leaving themselves open for an arm drag. Hopefully you don't see that against the Americans, but the, the foreigners make adjustments without having to have it drilled into them in the corner between periods. Okay. Uh, by and large. Uh, the one thing I would say is that if any of the Americans are somewhat in it, um, if they are close in a second period, and there's within striking range. Those are the kind of matches I think this senior team will win. I do like, um, there's no doubt about it. Um, the third part tear is a, is an X factor. Uh, you don't really see it wielded too often at junior. I don't think, but you never know. And, uh, this should set up hopefully very nicely into a very strange, but, um, certainly quite important world team trials. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for momentum. The U S had a lot of momentum coming out of the Pan American qualifier last year in Ottawa, Canada. And then uh, of course the pandemic shut everything down and everything's postponed a year, but it's, this is something that 
and I'm not trying to craft a, a, a narrative around this from a content perspective, but for the Greco program itself, that's what we all look at is, is where can we bridge gaps and where can we build momentum? Okay. Tokyo didn't turn out in the Americans favor. There was some really awful of fishing that played a role in it, but nevertheless, that's what happened. And so yeah, juniors are up now. Okay. Well, hopefully you get a big junior performance and then you build that into the senior world team trials and then the senior world team trials built into the worlds. And then hopefully you go to the worlds and you do something there. And then you have the U23 worlds in November. I mean, like this all just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And you just, you just try to take lessons from the last thing and apply them to the next. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like ever since the, I don't think the pandemic's officially over, but especially over the last few months, it's just, it feels like it's been one big wrestling event after another, after oh, another. Too much, Cody. Come on. <laughs> it's just been, oh, it's been terrible. I mean, everybody's like, I, I hate to say that. <laughs> I was say after a year where we got basically nothing, I, oh I, I don't gosh. mind everything coming full fast as it uh, has been. Yeah, but I, I can't even keep up with it. Like, uh, it's just even, I have parked, Parker Betts, uh, younger brother, Chaz Betts. Uh, not that Parker doesn't stand on his own two feet. He certainly does. He's my guy. And I have Parker Betts involved with Five Point Move. And um, it's like uh, we were talking about this, you know, like just trying to get content planned together and all that a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like, dude, there's no room to come up for air. It's like you have the cadet <laughs> worlds in Fargo pretty much overlapping. And then it's like, oh, hey, a week and a half later is Tokyo. And it's like, as soon as you even get catch your breath from Tokyo, it's like, well, there's the junior worlds. And it's like, oh, guess what happens in a week and a half or so after a senior tournament. So it's like, oh, man, like it's just been so much so quickly. Um, is it a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. It keeps people invested in wrestling. It's never a bad thing. But hey, yeah, I could t I have two kids. OK, and <laughs> you, like you, you got enough to watch and handle. They, right they, I, I got a job that sometimes. Oh, gives me a, a ton of hours and uh i you know like a it could be a normal day or it could be 13 hours or whatever and then i come home i my kids boss me around and then i gotta do five point <laughs> there's a lot like, going on here it's like now i gotta keep i gotta there's what this how many previews do we need here like uh just crazy man just crazy that's awesome. That's awesome. Hopefully, hopefully the craziness will continue in a good way this week um, from the Junior Greco squad. I know I'll be watching. Um, I think everybody else, if they want to tune in and hopefully they do um, on Flow Wrestling, I know that they're going to be carrying a lot of the coverage. Five Point Move is going to have um, all your Greco specific coverage for for this week for the World Team Trials coming up, the World Championships coming up, the U23 World Championships coming up, and then before we know it, we're going to be we're going to be starting we're going to be loading up for Paris, Tim. Oh um, uh, yeah, you blink your eyes. Go to be, sleep tonight. It'll be Paris tomorrow. That's what's going to happen. It'll be here in a blink. Um, it'll be awesome, and, and hopefully we're having a much different conversation after each World Championship <laughs> event in the lead up to Paris. Absolutely, so, yes, of course. One of Greco course. fan to another. I am very excited. I'm also very thankful that you took some time today um, to chat with us about Greco. Um, you guys can read Timmy on Five Point Move. Um, they've got a podcast. They they cover anything and everything Greco. They do interviews. They they know more about USA Wrestling Greco than anybody else on the planet. Um, Timmy, I, that, again, thank you so much for the time. Is there anything else you got for us before I let you go? Yes, I do. Three things. First off, 
everybody needs to support Cody Goodwin because he's the best journalist we have in this sport right now. Okay. He's the best writing journalist. He understands exactly how a story should present a subject. And when I say subject an athlete, and it's not easy for everyone to write wrestling and Cody, you do it brilliantly. That's number one. So I wanted to make sure I said that number two, all glory to God and Jesus Christ, our, my savior, our savior. And uh, number three is support our athletes. Okay. Five point move is not, um, is, is not about Greco Roman wrestling. Five point move is about Greco Roman wrestling athletes, the athletes, which is how we have to build this sport and how we have to build Greco in this country. Okay. So even if you're not into Greco and believe me, listen, it would take about 50 million views. Okay. For, for us to make money off of uh, article clicks. Okay. So don't think that I'm trying to upsell five point. Cause I want traffic. That doesn't matter. We're going to get the traffic anyway. In fact, we're going to put out the Monday piece. It's going to get a nice amount of reads from overseas people. Not worried about the traffic. What I'm worried about is people in our country learning about the Greco Roman athletes, their stories, because it's their stories that shape the texture of our style. Okay. They're the ones describing it. Okay. All five point move really kind of does is facilitate that. And so that's what I really hope for is going forward, support the Greco athletes. Okay. Everybody in the country already knew what Greco Roman wrestling was. You know, you don't sell Greco Roman wrestling in, in America. That's not what you do, but what you do is create exposure for the athletes and hopefully their stories, they themselves will ingratiate people towards the discipline. Anyway, those are my three uh, points I want to leave you with, Cody. I like them. I like all three of them. I especially like that second one. And I think also very important, like you said, to support the Greco-Roman athletes. They are what's going to drive interest in this country. Um, and hopefully, like I said, we're having some different conversations after some bigger Greco tournaments, the world championships and the lead up to Paris, because like you said, 2024 is going to be here in a blink. So Timmy hands, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time, man. No, it was an honor, Cody. Big, big thanks again to Timmy Hands for his time and wisdom and expertise. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation and got as much out of it as I did. He was excellent as always. Once again, I put in the show notes a link to Timmy's Twitter thread that ultimately spurred this podcast, as well as a link to his website, Five Point Move, which offers exclusive coverage of Greco-Roman wrestling. You guys should totally check it out if you haven't already. I read it at least two times a week just to stay up to date on USA Wrestling's Greco happenings. Um, I think you guys should too. Subscribe to the mailing list. They will send you new links every time they go live. Um, listen to some of their podcasts. Educate yourself on Greco-Roman wrestling, guys. Get familiar with this style and its nuances, and let's grow this thing a little bit before we even reach the World Championships later this year. Those are you know, just less than two months out at this point. I know the uh, World Team Trials are in Lincoln next month, um, you know, so we're going to get another crack at this Greco-Roman thing on the world stage before too much longer. But yeah, that's. I hope you guys enjoyed the convo. That was today's show. Thanks a bunch again for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, I Radio wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Cody Goodwin. Be sure to also subscribe to the Des Moines Register 
to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. We're going to probably do these shows once a week um, for the next little while, but um, fear not. We're almost into September, and then by the time we get to October, media days are going to start rolling back around on the schedule, and <laughs> guys, in a blink, it's going to be back to November where we're going to have all sorts of wrestling stuff to talk about, um, some of that folk-style stuff that I know we all know and love, even after a very exciting few months of freestyle and Greco-Roman. So be sure to subscribe. I don't you guys, I don't want you guys to miss a thing. You can find all the links to do all of that, as well as stories that I've written some this summer in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.